Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1. One quick verse. You can memorize this in the next 20 minutes. Isn't that great? Let's let's work on that. Uh, You need this uh, in your arsenal of verses to memorize. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. Soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I'm sorry, I I memorized it in another translation. Uh, Either one of those is fine. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, tonight uh, to open up your word. God, we thank you for uh, the truth of the scriptures, God, that uh, challenges us at every area of our life, every level of our of our existence, our relating with people. Uh, Father, thank you that uh, that you're a God who who empowers us and enables us to do as as you've commanded us to do. And Father, I ask you tonight to open up your word to us. Uh, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I pray, Father, for direction for our church. Uh, God, this is going to be a big week uh, for us, and, and I pray that we would honor you well uh, in our, our ministry to people, in, in our handling of the word, in our worshiping, and our celebrating, uh, both your, your death on the cross for us and, and the glory of the resurrection. Father, I pray for strength and for grace for this week. And God, uh, I, I just want to also pray for, for those that are hurting. Uh, God, I just think of Colin, and I think of Mindy, and I think of Kenny, and um, so many, Betty Jett. Um, that are suffering and struggling, and uh, Jerry. Uh, Father, I, I just pray for your, your mercy to go out uh, into our congregation. And Lord, that we'd be your hands and feet, uh, that we'd serve you well, that we'd honor you well, Jesus. Father, I pray it in your name. Amen. Well, we, uh, we spent five Sundays um, this last month or month and a half or so, two months, looking at different verses that we were memorizing for Team Kids. Remember, there were five of those verses, and, and hopefully those uh, you've taken advantage of that and, and memorized them as well. Uh, I know I preached on money uh, in Kansas on one of the evenings, and we were, we were at lunch, and, and somebody asked me, what are you preaching tonight, Pastor? And I said, well, I'm going to preach on money. And Avery was there at lunch, and she said, Dad, I know what you're preaching on. And she quoted Hebrews 13.5, you know, let your conduct be free from the love of money. It was one of those verses we, we memorized for Team Kid, which wasn't the verse I was preaching on, but I was just really super excited that she's already got, you know, whenever money's mentioned, she's got a verse for that, you know? And, and that's a cool thing, and that, that's really what we want to implant in our hearts, is, is that whatever topic we're dealing with, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we've got something for that. We've got a handle for that. We've, we've got, we've got a, a weapon, if you will, to fight the spiritual battle because we have memorized Scripture. Okay, So we went through those five weeks. Those are the five verses we're, we're memorizing this, uh, this semester in Team Kid. Uh, however, I'm left with this dilemma. Okay, uh, I wasn't here last week. The week before we had Word Day at the campground. Next week we have Easter Sunday. So we, we don't have any evening services any of those nights, or I wasn't preaching any of them. So I have this Sunday kind of right in the middle of anywhere. Uh, what am I going to do with it? You know, I haven't started a series yet. And so, so here's what's going through my mind uh, this afternoon. I'm thinking, you know what? There are other verses that I think are really useful uh, as far as memorizing them and useful and practical in your daily living. And I would like to cover another one of those verses tonight. In fact, I would say if I just looked at my life and, and if I kind of had, had every verse that I've memorized kind of laid out there, and if, I've had, if I have little, little numbers beside them about how many times I've used them, I've probably used this verse more than maybe, I think maybe more than any other in the, in the Bible. I don't, I can't, I'm trying to think. There's a couple others that are, are surely close. But this is in the top three of what I would call useful verses for your everyday life. Okay, 
And so I would urge you as we look at this tonight that you just continue to read it, continue to put it in your mind, continue to mull over it, understand what it means, and, and, and adopt this into your heart as, as a verse that you're going to use, okay? So let, let's look at this verse. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife or anger, uh, whatever your translation says. Now, now here's why this is, so, this is so useful, because it deals with a certain type of situation. And the situation it deals with is somebody's mad at you. Have you had that happen? Okay. Now, you're not mad at them, or maybe you are mad at them. I, I, it really doesn't specify that. But, but, but the real thrust of the matter is, is that somebody is angry with you. Okay? That's what's happening in this verse. They're angry with you, and they, they've let that out on you. Okay? They, they've, they've responded in some way. They've directed their anger to you. They've re- directed your wrath to, uh, their wrath on you. And now you've got to decide, how am I going to respond to that? Okay? So, so think about that for a second. Uh, lots of those situations, it could be uh, a customer, it could be a boss. It could be a coworker. It could be a family member. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a parent. Uh, there's all kinds of situations, but somebody is angry with you, okay? Now, you know, I wish there was a verse in the Bible that would keep people from being angry with you. Wouldn't that be a great verse? I don't know of one of those. I, I, if I do ever find that in the Bible, you can bet I'm going to memorize that dude because I would love for people to not get angry with me. But I don't know of a verse that, 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 that has that. And so we got to face the fact that people are going to be mad at us. And they're going to be mad at us for a multitude of reasons, okay? Sometimes they're mad at us because we hurt them, okay? Uh, sometimes we mean to hurt people. Sometimes we don't. Uh, that, that's, that's just the reality of life. Sometimes we do it unintentionally. Sometimes we do it intentionally. Uh, sometimes it's sort of intentional. But, but, but one of the big reasons that people are mad at us is because we have hurt them. In some way, we've harmed them. And so they're mad at us. And many times they let out their wrath or their anger upon us. Sometimes somebody else has hurt them. And we just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay? That happens a lot. It happens a lot in families, doesn't it? Where, where, where somebody's had a really rotten day. Uh, and somebody's just got this, this tension and hurt built up inside of them and you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and say the wrong thing almost in t- unintentionally or, or uh, you know you didn't mean to and, and they're angry with you and it's because really because of somebody else's deal that happened you know you weren't even there uh for some people they've had a lifetime of hurt bottled up uh, i don't know if you know anybody like this or anybody that's like this in your family but there are some folks that they're just angry people you know what i'm saying they're just angry people i mean they've been hurt maybe maybe years ago maybe they got all kinds of bitterness and all kinds of just junk inside of them from from maybe years decades ago they're, they're not handling it they're not giving to jesus they're bitter people and and it just doesn't take much for them to lash out at you Okay, and, and so there's a lot of different situations, a lot of different uh, scenarios that that, that that could that could frame this. But but the point is, somebody has lashed out at you in anger. They've lashed out at you. That's what wrath is. Wrath is when someone lashes out at you in anger. Okay. Now, now here's the big question that, that's asked oftentimes when, when when someone gets anger dumped on them is, do I deserve this? Right. Isn't that the question that you ask sometimes? You know, you walk up to, to your, your boss at work and you ask a question, and man, he just unloads on you. And, and a lot of times, the biggest question in our mind is, whoa, 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 did I deserve that? You know, did I deserve to be yelled at? Did I deserve to be blamed for that? Did I, do I deserve to be talked to, that, talked to that way? And let's just start out, and I just want you to entertain this. Just entertain the, the, the thought, is that really the right question? Is that really the right question? Because a lot of times that's all the further people get is, do I deserve this? And, and 99 times out of 100, what's the answer to that? No, I don't. You know, now, whether that's real or not, I don't know. But 99 times out of 100, we don't feel that we deserve it, right? You know, we, we, and we might, and we just don't feel like we do. But, but, but 99 times out of 100, we just don't feel, look, I did not deserve that. 
Okay, I didn't deserve that. You shouldn't have done that to me. But folks, I, I just want you to, th- to ask yourself, is that really the right question? You know, think about this. Jesus never deserved any of the wrath poured out on him. You know, you, you talk about his, his, his early years, all the way through his ministry, all the way into his crucifixion. He had people criticize him constantly. He had people lie about him. He had people slander him. He had people, you know, openly attack him verbally. He had people openly attack him physically. He was tortured all the way up to being crucified on the cross. And Jesus never deserved any of it. You know, ne- none of it. Okay, but, but, but notice that really wasn't the deal with Jesus, okay? You know, he wasn't constantly going around saying, look, I don't deserve that. And you shouldn't have done that. And here's, a, here's a thunderbolt, you know, wham, you're, you're out. You know, I mean, and that wasn't the deal for Jesus. That wasn't the big question for Jesus. And, and, and I'm not saying that's not a question at all, okay? It, it is. But I'm just saying, let's just consider in our minds that maybe that's not the big thing to be asking. Maybe that's not the first thing that ought to hit our minds, okay? Now, now it is important to understand, look, is there something that I do need to repent of? Uh, I think that's a good question to ask. You know, whenever someone unleashes wrath on us and anger on us, I think it, it's a good thing to probably probe our heart and to examine our motives, examine our words, examine what we've done. I think that's a really healthy thing and say, look, is there, is there something I need to repent of here? You know, should they be angry at me and, and, and have I hurt them? And because if I have, I, I want to repent of that. In, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about being quick to reconcile. Verse 23 says, If you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come quickly uh, to offer your gift. See, what Jesus says there is, is, look, be quick to reconcile. So be quick to examine your heart and say, you know what? Have I done something that, that, that I need to repent of? But, but, it, but I really don't think in the end it really matters. Because a lot of times when we're asking the question, did I deserve that? What are we doing? We're looking for a reason to justify our attack back, right? We're going to say, look, if Tony unloaded on me and I didn't deserve it, then I'm justified in unloading on him. And you see that? That's not biblical. That's not biblical at all. Romans 12 verse 19 says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And, and really what Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 it's dealing with our immediate response when someone unloads their wrath on us, whether it's justified or not, whether we deserved it or not, whether it's right or not, whether we caused them to be angry or somebody else caused them to be angry or they're just angry people. You know, here's the cool thing about this verse. It applies to all those situations, okay? I mean, just across the board, okay? So somebody's angry at you, whether it's in the supermarket aisle or at your workplace or, or, or in your family room or at a family reunion or wh- wherever. Someone unloads their wrath on you. Proverbs 15.1 applies to that situation. I think that's why this is such a useful verse to me is because I can quickly pull that up. Okay, this person's mad at me. All right, Proverbs 15.1, it applies. So I'm going to say it in my head right now. I'm going to get ready to respond as God would have me to respond. Okay, so, so what, what, what's the response here? Well, it, it's an immediate response. And it's really important because what it will do is it will determine the direction of the confrontation. Okay? Now, again, we, we, can't, we can't control what somebody else is going to do to us. Okay? So somebody walks up, they're angry, they unload their wrath on us. We couldn't help that. But you know what we can help? We can help exactly where it goes from here. Right? And that's what Proverbs 15.1 is all about. Okay? What, where's this thing going to go? Where's this thing going to end? What direction is it going to go? And let me just ask you this question. What direction do we want it to go? Okay? Somebody's angry with you. You, you, You've been the recipient of their wrath. Uh, They've yelled at you. They've belittled you. They've criticized you. They've challenged you. Okay, where do Christians, where do we want that to go? 
What, what's going to be the goal? What do we want to happen next? Well, it's obvious. We want them to know how stupid they are, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's what we want, right? We, we, want, we want to retaliate. We want to take a, a, few, a few sharp verbal jabs back at them, and we want to draw blood. No, that's not what we want, okay? That's not what, I know that's what your flesh wants, but that's not what we want as born-again believers, okay? What, what do we want to happen? Well, here, here's rule number one, okay? We want Jesus Christ to be glorified. You know, I said that this week in, in the revival I preached. I, I kind of did a, a couple sermons on God's glory. And, and one of the things I emphasize is, look, here's an easy thing as a Christian just to hold on to. In any and every situation, we want God to be glorified. We want God to be lifted up. We want Jesus to look good. We want Jesus to be exalted. In any and all circumstances, that's what we want. First Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That is paramount. That, that's, what, that's what matters above all else. Whether I'm justified or I'm right or you're right or nobody's right. What, what, what really matters in every situation is that God gets the glory. That Jesus Christ is lifted up. Okay? So number one, what do we want? We want God to get the glory. Someone just unloaded on me. It was unjust. It was unfair. It was not right. First thing I want, I want Jesus to be glorified. I know that's what's going to bring my happiness, their happiness, the good of everyone, is if Jesus Christ is glorified. Number two, we want peace. Why? Because as believers, we are people of peace. Did you know that that's who we are? Now, in some Baptist business meetings, you wouldn't know that. But uh, let me tell you, from the Bible, what the Bible says over and over again is that we are to be people of peace. Listen to 1 Peter 3. I like this verse because I, I love the first part of it. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11. It says, whoever desires to love life and see good days. Man, that's my heart. Is that your heart? I want to love life and I want to see good days. Okay, because the opposite of that is being miserable in life and seeing bad days. And that's no good for me. I want to love life and see good days. And so here's what it says. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from seeking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. And here's the last part. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Okay, and and so if I want to love life and see good days, then I need to learn to seek peace and I need to learn to pursue that. Okay. Romans chapter 14 is kind of dealing with some, some gray areas in the Christian life, dealing with some conflicts in the church. And Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Okay? So, so several verses, and I could show you a lot more. We just don't really have time. But lots of verses in the Bible that basically command us, you need to pursue peace. Okay? In any and every situation. So number one, we want Jesus to be glorified. Number, number two, we want to come to the end... Having a peaceful resolution. That's what we want. We want, we want people to be in harmony with one another. We want people to be in harmony with God and harmony with one another. Okay? So number one, God be glorified. Number two, we want peace. Number three, we don't want any more sin. Okay? What, what did we talk about this morning? We talked about the destructive nature of sin, didn't we? And, and I hope that, that from Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, you see that, that basically what we need to learn from this morning is that sin is deadly. It's deadly. It's poison. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your eternity. And we don't want sin. And so one of the things that should be happening in us when someone unloads on us is we should just say, look, I don't want any more sin. Okay? Not only do I not want to sin, you know, because here's the thing. Your sin against me does not justify my sin. You know, a lot of times we think that. A lot of times we think, well, you know what? If I've gotten sinned against, then that gives me the free Sin card, you know, and I, and I can play it, you know, anytime I want, you know, because you did this to me. Now, look at this, you know, smack there. I'm OK. No, you're not OK. You just sinned. 
And sin has consequences. And sin brings corruption in your life. And so one of the things that we should have going through our mind is, look, I don't want to sin. I know I don't want to dishonor Jesus. And not only do I not want to sin, but I don't want other people to sin either. Is that your heart? You don't want other people to sin? You know, sometimes we get things all twisted around. We, we can almost kind of exalt in somebody else's sin, you know, because it makes us look so good. It makes them look so bad. That's Christ dishonoring. If, if we see that sin is what it is this morning, that, that it dishonors Jesus, that's an offense against God, then not only are, are we not want to sin, we shouldn't want anybody else to sin either. All right. So Proverbs encourages us. That, that those, those three reasons why. What should we going through our mind? Christ exalted. What should be going through our mind? We, we, we don't want anybody else to sin. We, we, we don't want anybody, anybody else to, to sin. Not only do we not want to sin, but we don't want anybody else to sin. And we want peace. Okay? And so because of those three things, Proverbs encourages us to reply with a soft answer. Okay? Read it again, Proverbs 51. A soft answer turns away wrath. Now, what does that mean? Someone comes up and they yell at you, and you're like, oh, I just don't want to live It doesn't mean a whisper. Okay? That's really not what that word means. I mean, the word mean, could mean kind of soft, but really what it means is gentle. Uh, it means soft in the, in the sense of, 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 of uh, tender. Um, an answer that's not meant to hurt somebody. Okay? Here's the way I think of it. A soft answer is, a, is an answer without barbs. It's an answer without hooks. It's an answer without sharp edges. You know, our words can have all those things, can't they? It's interesting. Here's a great verse. Proverbs 12, 18. Just turn back page, one page in your Bible. It says, There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the healing, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You ever, you ever know anybody that was a sword, swordsmith with their words? I mean, they just slice people up. They're, they're the equivalent of Zorro in the verbal realm, you know? I mean, they, they just tear people up and they do it with their words. Okay, so what is a soft answer? A soft answer is an answer with no barbs. It's an answer that's not intended to hurt you. It's not intended to cut you. It's not intended to slice you up. Notice this. We can reply. Okay? Someone pours out their wrath on you. The Bible, the Bible doesn't say you just have to duck your head and not say anything. No, you can reply. You, 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 ought, you ought to address the situation. If you've been criticized, you ought to talk that out. You ought, you ought to say, okay, let's talk about this. I can see you're angry, and, and so tell me, tell me. I mean, we ought to answer, but, but, but the point is, we ought to answer in a way that doesn't attack, harm, or cut anybody. We ought to answer in a way that expresses honor for Jesus and care for the person who's poured out their wrath on us. Isn't that consistent with the life of Jesus? Just that, I mean, it, 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 doesn't this all line up with Jesus? Matthew chapter 5, listen to the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, verse 39, but I say, do not resist the one who's evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I mean, I mean, it's, it's very consistent with, with the life of Jesus. All right, so someone pours out their wrath on you. What do you do? You answer with a soft answer. What does that mean? It's an answer without barbs, without, without jabs, without hooks, without spikes, without sharp edges. An answer that's intended to glorify Christ and not harm the other person. Okay? Now, now before we go any further, what are we going to need to pull that off? Because that's hard, isn't it? I mean, someone just spills all over you. That's hard. It's hard not to be offended. It's hard not to be hurt. It's hard not to crumble. It's hard not to let your emotions take over, isn't it? What, what are we going to need? A couple things here. 
Number one, you're going you're gonna to need a heavy dose of humility. What's humility? A lot of times we, we, we look at humility as, as just all having to do with us. You know, it's like me abasing myself or whatever. But the way I, I like to think of humility is I think the first type of humility is thinking really bigly of God. I know bigly is not a word, but uh, <laughs> largely. How about that? Thinking largely of God. Think, 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 seeing God for who he is. That, that's really where humility begins. I mean, it just puts everything in, in perspective. You, you see, when, when, when we're immediately looking at self, which is what we do when we get hurt, isn't it? What do we do? A lot of people have a vortex when they get hurt. You know, you hurt my feelings. You know, it just sucks right into ourselves. You know, and we just, we're just looking at me. Okay? A self-directed focus will immediately demand that your honor be restored. You see, if all you're looking at is you, then hey, you hurt me, you shouldn't have, and my honor needs to be restored. A, self, a self-directed focus, man, it demands revenge. You know, I need to be justified. A self-exalting focus recoils at the thought of, of taking somebody's wrath when you don't deserve it. But you know what humility says? Humility says what, what matters. What matters is God here in this situation. I want to see the bigness of God. I want to glorify God. I want to glorify Him to take care of me. Responding gently and softly, that's going to demand self-control. Okay? And it's going to be harder for some people than others. Just because some people, and I don't know what this is. I'd be interested in like some psychological uh, analysis of this. Some people have greater passions than others. Okay? Hey, do you know what I'm talking about? Like when they get hurt, you know, there's some people that, that you know, the gauge goes up to here. You know, and there's some people that the gauge just blows right out the top. You know, I mean, just immediately. You know, I mean, just immediately there's just this, this overflow, this geyser of emotion that basically, you know, I have been offended, you know. And, 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 and so if we're going to pull this off, especially if you're a geyser, you know, you got to work on self-control. Can this be done? Yes. Yes. Hatton, can I use you for a second? I'm not going to tell much about you, but this is a guy who has, who has, who has memorized verses on self-control and anger, and he has really made incredible strides for, for a 10-year-old guy. Uh, in just a matter of a couple years, this guy has really learned to discipline his emotions. Now, he's not perfect yet, uh, and, and you'll probably see that at some point if you go here to church long enough, but uh, neither are any of us. But what I'm telling you is I've just seen in his short spiritual life that, that he, has, he has taken this on. And he's asked for prayer about it. And he's gotten prayer partners in this church about it. And he's memorized verses. And, and, and he has learned to, to govern to some degree, his emotions. Now, folks, we can do that. I mean, Paul tells us to do that. Remember, remember 1 Corinthians 9, one of my favorite verse, verses, I just think it's a real descriptive verse. Paul says, I buffet my body and I make it my slave. What's Paul talking about there? He said, man, I discipline myself. You know, I govern my, my emotions. I don't, I don't let my passions run away. You know, it's one of the reasons that Christians ought to fast. You know, you, you know why Christians ought to fast? For, for one thing, I mean, it does, it, it, it's a time to focus on the Lord. But another thing, it's just learning to tell yourself no. You know, that's something we need, isn't it? And we just need to learn to, to say, look, I'm not going to be controlled by my flesh. I'm not going to be controlled by my passions. I, I'm going to learn to govern myself. And I'm, I'm going I'm to take on a disciplined life. And, I, and I'm going to put a guard over my mouth. And, and I'm going to say no to the flesh. And I'm going to keep saying no to the flesh. And, and if we're going to respond like this, We've got to have some measure of, of growing in Christ-like self-control. Three, so number one, humility. Number two, self-control. Number three, we have to have a, a confidence that Jesus Christ is going to care for us. You know how Jesus pulled this off? Listen. listen. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. 
Verse 23. When he was reviled. What does it mean to be reviled? I mean, somebody gets up in your face and they just take your head off. Okay? When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued. Here, here's the part. Continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. What did Jesus do? Jesus was constantly saying, God the Father, I'm entrusting myself to you. I've just been reviled unjustly, always with Jesus. It was always completely unjustly. And what did he do? He continued to entrust himself to God the Father. All right, so what if we don't answer softly to someone's wrath against us? Okay, so I've been making the case. Answer softly, you know, take away the barbs. Answer back in a way that's gentle. Answer back in a way that doesn't, in trying to cut, in trying to hurt, glorifies God, honors the person. Okay, what if we don't do that? Well, the alternative here in, cha- in chapter 15, verse 1, is a harsh word. Now, now that word harsh, literally in the Hebrew, it's a word of pain, okay? A word that causes pain. A word that's meant to inflict pain. So basically, what if we jab back? What if we jab back? Somebody takes your head off. You know, they pour out their wrath on you, deserved or undeserved. What happens if if you come right back at them? Well, that just depends on who you are. Some of you in this room, and I'm going to try not to make eye contact with you right now, are intimidating enough that you can cower just about anybody. You can. I mean, you're you're just that. Now, now some of you, you can't even cower your kids, okay? But But some of you just have a personality big enough. And, and they're, you're, you're just that kind of person that you can, you can cower people. I mean, you can come back at them and just almost anybody, you know, you, you can beat them right back down. And you, you're, you're a good enough swordsman that you, you can take them down at the knees. Okay. Now, let, let me ask you, though, what happens even when you make them cower? Well, chapter 15, verse 1, a harsh word stirs up anger. You see, what, what we don't always realize is, is even if we can... If we can shut somebody down outwardly, what's usually happening on the inside? Then we've stirred up a bunch of anger, haven't we? Let me just pause right just for a second and, and talk to parents. You know what? Most of us can make our six-year-old cower. You know? We can shut them down. We're, we're, most of us are big enough and strong enough that we can, we, we, we can inflict enough verbal damage that we can quiet that kid. What's going on on the inside? A harsh word stirs up anger. That's true, isn't it? However, with a lot of other people, you can't make them cower. (laughs) Okay? Probably probably your spouse being one of them, all right? Uh, There's probably a a good enough relationship there where what's going to happen is... They, answer, they, they, they pour out wrath on you, and what's going to happen? You take it up a notch, and you pour out wrath back, right? They jab you, you pull out a bigger, jab, a bigger, a big, bigger knife, you know, and, and you, you dig a little deeper, and you twist a little harder. And, and pretty soon, what's happened? Everybody's bleeding, right? Everybody's bleeding, and nobody wins. But what happens if we do the soft answer? See, I kind of left this for the end, okay? Listen. Verse 51, a soft answer turns away wrath. Isn't that great? What's the picture there? You know, wrath's coming at you. Here it comes, okay? 
What does what is, what is the Christ-exalting soft answer do? It, it, it deflects it, okay? I mean, it's coming at you, and it, and it turns it away, okay? Now, that doesn't mean you don't get any of it. You got some of it, okay? But, but, but it turns it away, okay? It's not a magic formula. Don't, don't look for that in Proverbs. A lot of people look for magic formulas in Proverbs. You know, train up a child in the way he should go, and he'll never depart. You know, a lot of people are like, okay, if I do this A, then I'm going to get B. You know, uh, that, that's, not, that's not the spirit of the book of Proverbs. Um, but the point is that a harsh word stirs up more wrath, more anger, okay? It's like swatting the wasp nest, okay? I mean, it just makes, I mean, you may kill a few, but you've made a mess of trouble, okay? But a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, in my personal experience, that's everything from lessening the blow, blow up that could have been, you know? I mean, I mean that, that's kind of on the one side. You know, you have this confrontation with the person and this thing looks like it's going to blow sky high and everybody's going to get hurt, you know, and, and a soft answer brings it down to where it's contained. It was ugly, but it's over. I've had a lot of those, you know, I've had a lot of those where, I mean, this deal could have been, been bad. You know, I could have been packing my bags. The church could have been really hurt, but, but it went from here to here. Okay. But you know what? That, that's, that's almost the worst one. Okay. The best case scenario, and I've had this one a lot too. The person says, you know what? That was uncalled for. I'm sorry. Isn't that sweet? That's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing. What what did you just do there? In that scenario where you were attacked, wrath poured out, but you, you, you glorified Jesus, you honored the person, you didn't take out your dagger, you answered softly, and what happened? There's quick confession. There's repentance. There's no more sin. There's a God-glorifying element there. Isn't that, isn't that the way to do it? Yeah. You say, well, Pastor, that didn't happen all the time. <laughs> no, it doesn't, okay? But usually, the, you, you do at least get where it would have been this, and now it's this. And that's, that's still awesome, isn't it? Man, what a practical verse. Soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger.